Hi, I'm Kristen Howerton, and I blog at Rage Against the Minivan. And I'm Paul Martin, and I blog at Polisophia. And you're listening to Why Partisan, a political conversation between two friends from different sides of the aisle. I'm a Democrat. And I'm a Republican, and we are both passionate political junkies trying to figure out how to have a civil discourse about politics. From social justice issues to the intersection of race, religion, and public policy, we're delving into all aspects of the political arena. So today we've got some big things to cover. Um, First of all, big news happened um, on Friday, which was that Michael Flynn admitted he had lied to the FBI. So we're going to dive into that. And then after that, we're going to talk about um, the recent bill that passed. So the Senate and the House have now both passed a tax reform bill. We'll talk about those in detail and some of the differences between the two of them and whether or not we think that that will eventually actually pass. But first of all, what's going on with this whole Michael Flynn thing, Paul? Yeah, and it's, I mean, we've been hearing about this for a year or more, and we've uh, talked about it on the show before. And I know there are a lot of people listening that either don't understand it because it's confusing or maybe partially understand it, or there are definitely some that think it's a bunch of nothing. Well, there really isn't anyone thinking it's nothing anymore. In fact, yesterday when it came out, I was watching Fox News to see how they might uh, spin it, spin it, mm-hmm. and they couldn't. And so what happened, in short, is Michael Flynn was very close to Donald Trump during the campaign, and he was Trump's national security advisor. He's an ex-Marine, and he pled guilty to lying to the FBI. That's what happened, and yesterday, he was arraigned in court, and so this is a guilty plea of a federal crime. Mm-hmm. The big story behind it is that he was only, so to speak, uh, a- accused um, of one crime, and everyone is saying it's a plea deal, ma- meaning he admitted to one small thing, but right. there's a lot more that he right. knows, and in exchange for what might be like a six-month jail uh, sentence, he's going to be talking about everything that went on. And, you know, the assumption is that he knows a lot, that he knows, you know, that there may have been some collusion. I mean, the assumption is, yes, that he accepted this plea deal and he's going to rat out the president and his connection to Russia. Yeah. And he That's was the thinking. Yeah. And he was, I mean, you got to remember back earlier in the year, Donald Trump went to James Comey. James Comey was then the head of the FBI. And James Comey testified that Trump said, please lay off Michael Flynn. You know, this, is, this isn't anything new. We've known all along that Donald Trump did not want Michael Flynn to talk. And that's why he went to James Comey uh, and, you know, tried to influence Comey. And eventually, Comey said, no, I'm going to do my job. Mm-hmm. And investigate what's going on, and Trump fired Comey. Right. And so, you know, we've been saying for months, and you know, there's a cover-up. I mean, there's very clearly a cover-up going on. And this day, yesterday was there's just no one spinning this. No. I mean, the the most ardent Trump supporters I've heard are saying, "Well, yeah, you know, we knew we knew uh, uh, Flynn lied." And so he just admitted to it, and that's that's the end of the story. But this thing is ju- this thing's just getting started. Yeah, and the lies specifically, in case you weren't sure what the lies involved, 
um, in December after the election, um, Flynn called the Russian envoy, um, Kislyak, five times, and the two spoke again about sanctions against Russia that had been imposed for Russia's meddling in the 2016 elections. Um, so we've what we see now is that Flynn was talking with the Russians. Kushner, who is Trump's son-in-law, was talking with the Russians. We know both of these things to be true. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is whether or not these things were happening behind Donald Trump's back mm-hmm. or with his full knowledge. Yes, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and, and you know, the, the people I watch on TV are very careful, even on CNN, they're very careful to say we, we cannot know for sure whether Donald Trump knew about any of this right anybody with half a brain kind of smirks because it's a I mean, it's a campaign staff of like four people three right, of them are family members right you think they're hiding all this behind his back yeah. and that he's not puppeteering the entire thing it's becoming more and more unlikely and for like it for those of you like that want to know like at a little deeper level like here's what went down we found out that russia interfered in our elections 17 intelligence agencies including our greatest fbi cia NHS, after a lot of investigation, they presented to President Obama, you know, incorrigible evidence that Russia had interfered in this election. Right. In retaliation, Mm -hmm. President Obama imposed sanctions against Russia. Correct. Basically, we're not going to let you do that. And what happened then, apparently, is that because (laughs) if, if it's the case that Russia's interference was happening in conjunction with the Trump people. Right. Donald Trump did not want those sanctions to be imposed against Russia because basically Donald Trump was the one colluding with Russia so that he can get himself elected. Right. So Michael Flynn was tasked to go to the ambassador of Russia and say, tell Putin don't worry about it. Don't impose sanctions back on us. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine this, people? Just listen for a second. We impose sanctions on Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot what they were off the top of my head, but they were they were serious sanctions, punitive yes. actions to you know kind of punish yes. Russia to say we are the USA. We are not a wormy country. You're going to have consequences. Putin does nothing. He we impose the sanctions. And he doesn't impose any sanctions back on us. That's unheard of. And a couple days later, Trump tweeted something very positive about Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin's a great guy. And, you know, the pink elephant in the room back then, I remember, was like, wait, if Obama imposed sanctions, why didn't Russia impose any sanctions back on us? Uh And I don't know if people can follow if if that's clear or not, but it's all making more sense. Right. So, you know, what many of us are thinking is the sanctions were um, levied against Russia by Obama. Russia knew that Trump was about to come into power. Mm -hmm. Trump and Russia did a backdoor deal and said, you know, don't retaliate Mm -hmm. back and we'll make this right when we take over. Mm -hmm. And that is pretty, I mean, you know, Alcom's Razor says things point Mm -hmm. to the most obvious Mm -hmm. answer. Mm -hmm. That's the most obvious answer here. Totally. And and we know for a fact we have emails from Donald Trump Jr. that tell us that Russia wanted Donald Trump to win. Nobody disputes that. We've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. Russia wanted Trump. And so if you could just think Russia wanted Trump, they had very sophisticated ways to infiltrate our, you know, our system Mm -hmm. uh, through Facebook and Twitter and WikiLeaks and get all this propaganda out into the voting public. 
that would, in, especially in the states that Trump had to win, tip it in his favor. They have Trump and they have a president who has openly said countless times, I want to be friendly with Russia. Uh, right. And as, if we remember just two weeks ago, Trump was in Asia and said, you know, flat out, I believe Putin. Putin keeps saying he didn't have anything to do with interfering in our elections. And I don't see any reason we shouldn't trust the man. Right. I mean, my goodness. Well, and his answer to all of this, you know, he's um, he's acting very, um, you know, prideful and arrogant as he does. Uh, but, you know, he's just going on record saying he's not concerned. Um, he, his statement this morning was what there has been shown is no collusion, no collusion. There's absolutely no collusion. So we're very happy. And frankly, last night was one of the big nights, which doesn't even make sense. No, that... But, you know, I mean, again, a reasonable person would be concerned about this. But, you know, he it's all smoke and mirrors. And he thinks if he acts confident enough, his base will believe him, which is somewhat accurate. Yeah. Uh, some of the people last night I was watching uh, were saying that this uh, that Flynn said that he had decided in the in the previous 24 hours from Friday morning to go ahead and go forth with this. And he, made, he had a statement, which is, I want to do right by the American people. Right. I want to tell the truth and everything that happened. And so it looks like it could have been a surprise to Trump because some people last night were saying that White House aides were saying that it's a total bubble and they're in total denial. Oh, like I'm they sure. Just, they just are thinking, yeah, this I'm is sure. nothing. Where, I mean, we, you know, you and I have talked for a long time about this. This is now... This is a major deal. It's, it is. I mean, Fox News really is not saying it's no big deal anymore. No, no. There's no, there's no way to really, um, there's no way to really downplay this. But I think, you know, what we're going to find out in the next few months is if there is evidence to connect Trump to all of this behavior, the behavior of Kushner, the behavior of Michael Flynn, who, you know, again, people on his team clearly colluded with Russia. Right. And the question is whether or not Trump knew about it yeah. or even ordered it. Yeah. But even if he knew about it, right. you know, right. he would be in some trouble. And I think it's important for people to know that during Watergate, I mean, we all have this natural, you know, if, if, you know, we live here in Southern California. And so, you know, I'm an Angels baseball fan because I grew up here. And so they're my team, right? We all have affinities for our teams in life, uh, you know, sports teams or college teams or, you know, if you're from Oregon. You can name the best five things about the state of Oregon, right? We all have these uh, loyalties to, you know, proximity, things that are close to us. And we do with political parties as well. And so during Watergate, Richard Nixon had off the chart support all the way up until the very end. So if you're a Republican like I am, many of you are thinking, well, you know, you know, this is just all the Democrats or, you know, they don't really, we, Trump didn't collude. We don't know. And that's a very normal thing. For you to think um, because they did with Richard Nixon. We want to believe, you know, during the Clinton uh, scandal, the Democrats did not think this should be happening, right? It's just very normal. The problem with this situation is that this in many ways makes Watergate seem small because Water, Watergate was over some, you know, what did they call it? A second rate burglary. Uh, this is over coordination with a foreign adversary to get yourself elected. And so we'll see. But I think it's normal for Republicans, and the further right you go, the more you think this is all, you know, like Dana Rohrabacher and some of these people say it's a hoax. Trump's not saying it's a hoax anymore. No, he's not. And, you know, we're still at the really beginning stages of yeah. this. And I think, 
that Trump would and, and many of his supporters would like to say, well, you know, they haven't found anything on me yet. So, you know, but we're again, we're at the very beginning stages there. There is some thinking that Flynn, again, could have done this out of a plea gar- bargain deal, which means that Flynn's going to have a lot to say yeah, in the coming weeks. Absolutely. It'll and, you know, there's some weird watch. irony. I mean, Flynn, you know, he was fired by Obama. Um, for different reasons. And, you know, he was the one that was chanting, lock her up during a lot of those uh, rallies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's going to be locked up. Which Here we is, go. You know, right. Kind of there ironic. is some poetic justice there. huh? All right. Well, let's talk about this, um, this tax bill that um, passed last night, um, passed with um, only one Republican, Bob Corker voting against it based on deficit concerns. I was a little surprised to find that Corker was the one who voted against it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Republicans for many, many decades have been the party of responsibility. You know, that's part of the whole conservative vibe, brand, attribute. Um, and so Corker is one conservative that thinks that deficits, uh, you know, are very dangerous. Well, I thought all Republicans thought that. Well, evidently not. (laughs) Because, you know, the Congressional Budget Office is estimating this bill would cost $1.47 trillion over the course of a decade. So this stands to put us into a lot of national debt. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, you could see there's a lot on Twitter right now with video of like Paul Ryan saying, I forgot the exact quote, but, you know, deficits are what have driven great civilizations out of existence. You know, wow. there's this idea that when you, when you, you know, we have a 20 trillion, I don't even know how to comprehend how big that right. is, debt uh, right now, but it's going to increase, according to many experts, another yeah. trillion dollars. And um, a lot of Republicans just don't seem to care very much. Well, you know, they're convinced it's going to pay for itself because it's going to stimulate the economy and create more economic growth. Um, but the thing is, there's not a single independent analysis that agrees with that idea. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think when you have a whole group of people who are ignoring independent analysis and actual data, you've got a problem on your hands. But- yeah. And I, I mean, abstracting maybe a little away from the bill itself. And Kristen and I were talking before we started the podcast. And, you know, this stuff is wonky. For most people, these bills, they're filled with so many different, um, you know, I mean, just as, a, as, a, as an example, you know, part of the bill would expand the child tax credit from $1,000 to $2,000, um, but it would do away with personal exemptions. Um, you know, and now we start talking about the wonky part of this. So some things are being given, other things are being taken away. And there's a lot of debate. Uh, there was a great debate this week on CNN with Bernie Sanders, Ted Cruz, Tim Scott, who is a Republican, African-American Republican, and uh, the senator from uh, Washington. I forgot her name. And it was very healthy and robust. And, you know, Tim Scott, I don't know if you know much about him, Kristen, but he's yeah. an African-American, grew up with a single mom, and he's a Republican. And at the very end, he gave a very impassioned uh, speech that I would encourage anybody on the left to listen to. Just Google CNN debate uh, tax tax bill, and you'll see at the very end Tim Scott gives his one minute closing remark. And even the CNN, you know, you know, pundits on the left were saying it was very compelling. And he basically said, "America, to every single one of you, rich or poor, I had a single mom. I know what this is like. This bill's for you." 
And if you see Tim Scott, you can tell that he's an earnest person. And this is where I get really confused, honestly, mm -hmm. because I'm reading these tweets this morning. I'm just going to read one. And this is one of probably a million I could find. And this one's from, from some pundit who says, there has never been a more outrageous, revolting, unfair process to pass a corrupted bill in the history of Congress. That would be the history of Congress. Mm -hmm. That Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and Jeff Flake and John McCain and Lindsey Graham have endorsed this makes anything positive they have done get erased so there's such strong there is and i just want to and we talked about this a little bit but well what if it's not quite as bad as it seems what well, if this this corporate you know right they reduce the corporate deduction from 35 percent to 20 percent what if it's not just quite so dire well, I think it's important that we have to look at two things happening here. One is the actual content of the bill, but the second is the process by way they passed it. And that process does look a little corrupt. You know, they introduced it just a week ago. It's 500 pages. Um, a bill like this should take months, if not years, to pass. It should be bipartisan. I mean, if you look at... Um, you know, the last serious tax bill that passed in 1986 under Reagan, they worked across party lines. There were numerous drafts. Um, it took them the better part of a year. And so here we've got a tax bill that was slammed through in less than a week in the wee hours of the morning. I mean, you know, there is there is a sense of frenzy around this. There's a sense that the Republicans were going to pass this no matter what. And I'm not even sure, to be honest that most of our Republican senators read or cared what was in it, I think they want a win. Yeah. And, and I think they've been, they've been advised by their president, we need a win. Yeah. There's, and there's someone I really like, a guy named Michael Dowd, and he's a, he's a staunch independent and uh, used to be a Republican, but he's moved over to the left. And he said there's a big difference between a legislative victory and a political victory. That's mm -hmm. what you're saying, Kristen, right? Right. GOP passing a tax bill is a legislative one, not a political one. This will hurt them in 2018 elections. Unpopular bill, pushed by unpopular president, passed by unpopular Congress, not good. And so, I mean, we'll see, but I, I guess just because I'm on Twitter more these days and I'm reading, I have a lot of auto tweets that come from people on both sides. And the auto tweets I get from people on the left are just, it's like Armageddon is on its way in the next week because of what these Republicans have done to, you know, every poor person. And I, I don't know, there's something, I mean, I know, going back to what you were saying about how they pushed it, when Obama, you know, put through Obamacare, it was only the Democrats that voted. He rammed that through because they had a majority. And so I know many Republicans are, you know, remembering how Obama shoved Obamacare into the, you know, into the, into the country. Um, um, wow. Well, one thing that this bill does have that's concerning, you know, is that there is um, a provision in there that it would repeal the individual mandate, which was one of the key provisions of Obamacare, because the individual mandate only works, um, or Obamacare really, you know, the way the whole bill went down really only works if everyone's forced to get insurance. Otherwise, people don't have to get it. There's, you know, and we're back to the same situation we were in before where people just don't get insurance and then our taxes pay for people who are not insured. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, in a sense it was, 
you know, I felt that that was actually the individual mandate was a more Republican aspect of um, the Affordable Care Act because it was asking for personal responsibility of each person. But I just I feel like Republicans hate the Affordable Care Act so much that they're willing to dismantle any part of it, even the part that really they were pushing forward because many of us just wanted nationalized health care. But the individual mandate was to force every person to be mm -hmm. responsible for themselves, mm -hmm. which is more Republican. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to abstract a little bit if we could, because I don't know. I mean, I'm not a wonk and I'm reading. I have, you know, the whole bill in front of me right now. And well, it's, it's 500 pages. Right. I mean, I think that there are senators that don't understand this. Thing, totally. Much less citizens. Right. And you and I are both kind of wonky and we're even saying, OK, I get that part. I don't get this part. Right. But there's a lot of speculation. One of the biggest parts of this bill is it reduces corporations. If you're a corporation right, right now, your tax is 35 percent on your income. And that rate is going to go down to 20%. Right. And the theory is, amongst many economists, is that that's going to inject tons of capital into the, into, the, uh, into the country. And there's going to be more investment. And that's going to result in a much greater GDP and economic growth and stimulation. And that's, that's the wager. Many disagree. Many agree. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I get like more and more, Kristen, I think about... You, you know, there's this, there's this idea really popular in political philosophy called social contract theory. And there are, you know, three or four or five different theories on what is the role of government. And again, these are theoretical. Right, right. But there are some really viable ideas like Thomas Hobbes, this, you know, philosopher from the 17th century, he believed that man is basically evil and wicked and they just <laughs> selfish and right. I, he had this idea that left to ourselves we are just going to steal and kill therefore we need we need a dictator so he was pro monarchy well and that you know i mean it's interesting because even in haiti today they've had such they've had so much corruption and their attempts at um democracy have gone so poorly that they're like, just get a dictator back right. in here. You know, that was Iraq easier. is a great example. Iraq is another example. Very much so. Um, but what's tough about these theories is they don't, you know, and yet the United States has had a fairly successful democracy and there are other countries that have. So, you know. Yeah. Well, the other one, and, and we're definitely more of a John Locke, uh, you know, our, our, our founders were more based on Locke's theory, who, who thinks that, you know, men and women exist uh, in nature uh, in perfect freedom to do what they want. Um, so Locke didn't think we were good or bad. He thought, left alone, we're going to be okay. We're going to yeah. be fine. We're going to be peaceful. And so the nature of the state was to leave us alone. Right. Leave the people alone. Right. Let them. Just protect their property and their right. personal freedoms. Well, that's very libertarian. It's very it? libertarian and very American at its core. Yeah. And so on a on a level beyond all the fighting right now over this budget, did our founders really care how much we were going to tax, whether the estate tax, like that's something else that's in this bill, mm -hmm. they're, the estate tax, they're increasing the estate tax. Did our founders really, you know, under a Lockean gridlock, it's not that big of a deal. Like, yeah, all right, well, we're, we're going to do this now, and yeah, there's going to be some debt, and but ultimately, where 
many think that the the like Bernie Sanders thinks the nature the 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 purpose of the state is to protect every person, ensure that every person has a certain standard of living, mm-hmm. ensure that every person has a right to health care. Uh-huh. You know, this is a very kind of Rousseauian idea, right. you know. Um, or we could take it back to Jesus. We could take it back. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> well, where have I heard this before? Now, 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 mm. Well, now, here's where Chris and I do debate. And a lot of you think we never have differences of opinion. And this is an area where we do. I think I do tend to be more of a Lockean. I'm just yeah. not sure that, you know, people say we're, we're um, cutting taxes. Um, why should we be paying so much money so that we can have a larger government to, to fund more programs and more programs and more programs and more programs? And at what point do we start paying down our debt? Like, no, no group wants a reduction of their federal like right and the democrats are just screaming saying it's inhumane you this is the worst thing that's ever happened but from a perspective of political theory and i don't know i don't know if i buy the argument that it's the federal government's job to make it such that you know um middle class people have lower taxes i mean it's debatable but yeah. i'm not really sure i don't know I yeah well, the New York Times did a, a pretty interesting write-up that kind of drilled into some of the um, concerns of this tax bill. And this was written by their editorial board, so it was a, it was a group effort. But um, in their findings, they feel like it pick, kind of pickpockets the middle class, mm-hmm. um, that there are some small and temporary tax breaks, but over the years, yeah, it, it phases um, it's going to compound, right, and that low- and middle-income families are going to be pushed into higher tax brackets, which is... Which is concerning, especially, you know, given that this is a Republican measure and the Republican Party is supposedly saying that they're for, you know, mm-hmm. the working people. But um, there are a lot of hidden benefits for businesses. Um, families are hit with the tax increases, but corporations reap benefits mm-hmm. from this. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. You know, right. we're benefiting business over family. And, 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 and yet the Republicans are going to say that that. You know, this idea of trickle down economics, the, right, the more which, corporations have, the more money they have, the more they're going to pay their people mm-hmm. and the people are actually going to be earning more as opposed to be, you know, taxed less. And I again, think that's absurd, but well, I know and, and that people so, think that. And so many do. And I just I could honestly say I'm not smart enough to know people will say under Reagan, it was it was a joke mm-hmm. and it took Clinton to come back in and right. restore our economy. Um, but again, I, I have trouble believing that. These Republicans like Jeff Flake and Susan Collins are, you know, they just want to stick it to those poor families. Right. And that's the way it's spun, like that that thing I just read. And yeah, that- I don't I don't believe that either. Uh, but I do believe that some Republican senators may have ignored their values over a part like this was a party, a, you know, kind of mm-hmm. a I feel that this was a. You know, party lock arms. Totally, I agree. Gather your wagons. We got to do this. You know, there's been so many hits to the pride from the Republican Party, and it was like this was the Republican Party saying we're we're going to get a comeback. I agree, and and this is you know, and the justification will be this is politics. We have midterm elections coming next year, right? And if we do not pass this bill, right, the Democrats are going to say nothing other than they did nothing. Yeah. And, and that's that's pretty common in the, the shows I'm watching. They're just saying they had to pass something. 
So they put together, they slap together, mm -hmm. uh, you know, half-baked bill right. that no one's really thrilled about. Right. Because the alternative was nothing. Right. And then they're going to laugh all the way to the midterms. And the other thing, too, is we've talked about it before, but, you know, a tax break for billionaires. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've gone on record here many times as a Republican saying it's just, it's immoral. Right. That that, you know, I remember during the presidential election, four or five, whatever it was years ago, uh, when Romney was running and they looked at his effective tax rate. Do you remember that? And they wanted to see how much tax he was paying. And he was paying 15%, Mitt Romney, who had an income of hundreds of millions of dollars, but it only, you know, was only paying 15% based on deductions, et cetera. And then again, you have single moms raising kids on their own, you know, paying 25, 26, 27%. And that's where, I believe it's immoral that billionaires can get huge tax breaks and people that are, um, you know, barely struggling to make ends meet uh, don't. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, rather than this this thing of, you know, trickle down economics and put, hedging your bet on that, I think it's a safer bet to hedge for the American people to lower individual taxes versus lowering the business tax and then assuming that that's going to affect everyone because it very well may not. We are a capitalist country at the mm. end of the day. Nobody has to pay anybody more. Yeah. It's just going to make people more money who own businesses. Yeah. It's, it's going to make the rich richer. It was interesting watching literally Ted Cruz. I don't think there's a more conservative Republican in the Senate and Bernie Sanders. And there isn't a more liberal uh, uh, Democrat in the Senate. And they were right next to each other during this debate last week, and they were going at it. Yeah. Like, they were really going at it. Uh, you had left versus right, and Ted was on the right, like, literally, when you're watching the screen. And it was just interesting because you had Sanders basically saying, it is our moral duty to ensure that all people have health care. It is our moral duty to lower, uh, uh, increase the taxes on the rich so that people that are poorer have the goods and services and benefits that they need. And then you have Cruz on the right saying, wait a second, when in the heck was it the responsibility of the federal government to collect more money than ever in the history of our nation? Right. To disperse and, and it was just like the classic argument of left versus right economics right. with Cruz saying, absolutely. Wait, you just want to tax more people from, Cruz was saying you want to tax the middle class too, Bernie. And he quoted something where Bernie had said that. But I mean, generally, the idea has been for Democrats pay more taxes right. so that we can disperse that money and everyone can have more services. Mm -hmm. And the conservative idea has been, no, make the government smaller so that we could have lower taxes for everyone. And kind of we're back in that classic argument right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just think the billionaire problem, argument. I think the 1% problem really skews things. Just yeah. how we now kind of have an oligarchy. Right, we really do. Billionaire class, we do. Um, and this, I mean, I would say that that this tax bill seems to support that continuation rather than remedying that problem. Yeah, and many think it was, you know, it was a, a payback for donors. Yeah, many people think that, and you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you're not going to hear Republicans in office complaining about the one percent because that one percent funds their elections, so they're not going to. Right. You know, they're they're not going to um, bite the hand that feeds them. Yeah. This, gonna... is, this is one of these issues where, you know, we talk more about social issues. Kristen and I do, um, although many think this is ultimately a social issue. But 
this one's tough because there it's just so much detail involved um, on so many levels, on corporate levels, on, you know, levels having to do with writing off your property taxes or writing off, you know, just there are so many intricacies to it. Um, But I think we can fairly say fairly well that this one's not very popular. No, not at all. All right. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks between um, what Flynn has to say and um, how, you know, the Senate and um, Congress are going to reconcile these two different tax bills. Yeah, they have to come together into a conference because, you know, the, the bill started with a House bill. That bill went to the Senate. The Senate completely modified it and came up with their own. And now what will happen is this bill, the Senate's bill, will go into what they call conference. It's made up of members from the House and the Senate, and they'll try to hash it all out and come up with a bill where they both agree on it. And eventually, at the end, it'll end up on the president's desk and it will be signed into law. Right. Yeah. will be interesting to watch. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Be sure to subscribe to Why Partisan on iTunes and check us out on the web at whypartisan.com. A big thanks to Shepard Audio for providing our intro music. 